This is Andy Steiger. Welcome to the AC Podcast. On this podcast, we want to help you to understand and speak the language of our culture and to address questions being asked with intellectual honesty, gentleness, and respect. Well, welcome listeners to another episode of the AC Podcast. I am leading the podcast alone today. However, I have a very special guest uh, with me, Natasha Crane. We're going to be talking about her new book. Welcome to the podcast, Natasha. Hey, thanks so much, Andy. Well, we're going to be talking about your new book, Talking with Your Kids About Jesus, 30 Conversations Every Christian Parent Must Have. It's going to be coming out on March 31st. So we'll get into that book in just a moment, but I think we, we need to just start by talking about the obvious. Now, you live in California, which I believe is currently in a shelter in place. Uh, is that correct? How are things going in the midst of this COVID crisis? Well, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's hard like it is for anyone just with everything that's going on, but I can't complain because, you know, my husband still has his job and my kids, uh, they're home from school right now, but their school, they attend a private Christian school and their school has prepared them with all their activities and their lessons and all that kind of good stuff. And so they're having daily calls with their teachers. And so we are in all things considered a pretty good situation with it. That's not to say that we don't feel the same kinds of stresses as everyone else, but I know that a lot of people are suffering much worse through some of this. So can't complain. Yeah, I hear you. I, myself as well, we have friends who have either, you know, lost jobs, lost money, uh, or lost family. And, uh, yeah, one of, one of my friends who lost his mom in this, and she died of cancer, but, you know, there's just some implications such as, you know, how do you hold a funeral when you can't? Right. And then other friends who are getting married, <laughs> how do you do that? Yes. Now, are you, now, are you guys in lockdown there in California? Yes. So, we're, we're in shelter in place. So, we're here, but obviously we can go out to and get to the grocery stores and things like that. But, uh, there, you know, it's it's been like in a lot of places, you go to the grocery store and it looks pretty apocalyptic. There's very little on the shelves and you have to go at certain times in order to get stuff. There are limitations uh, in the store. So, for example, you can only buy one loaf of bread or one tortilla product, things like that. So, but, you know, it really, so far, thankfully, it seems to be more of a distribution problem rather than just a pure supply problem because you could go to another store and you could find all the stuff there. It's just that, you know, that impact of everyone going at once. So we hope to see that straightened out, but definitely seeing a lot of those issues here locally. It's an interesting time to talk with your kids, isn't it, about topics of God, topics of you know Jesus, faith, uh, in these uncertain times or these, these difficult or scary times uh, is another way to put it, that in many ways really helps you to appreciate the Bible because so much of it was written in difficult, challenging, and scary times. Right. Absolutely. I've been reading the Psalms, actually. I said I was going to just start at the beginning and read straight through during this time. And it really, you, you read it differently when you're facing these challenges so upfront and personal. And just to see, you know, from one Psalm to the next, from the, the writer feeling victorious to feeling defeated and wondering, where is God? And I think that we have all of those same kinds of feelings during times like this. So I think we relate to God in a lot of the same ways. And I appreciate that honesty that we see in the Bible, that things aren't always so rosy because it lets us know we're we're normal we're human this is the human condition and it's interesting as we um we're heading into easter in the next two weeks uh as we head into a 
April. And, you know, that would have been a, a scary time to have lived as, as a Jew. Yeah. You know, they're under Roman occupation. Things were challenging. There was uncertainty. And you have Jesus that is uh, he's going through his own crises, right, as he's, as he's going to die. And he's being not just persecuted in all that's going to develop, but also his, all of his disciples are going to leave him and the challenges that, that he's facing. I think it's an interesting time right now that your book is coming out with talking with your kids about Jesus, because I think there's so many touch points in, you know, as we're heading into Easter with what what was going on in the life of Jesus and what's going on right now, that we could have some really meaningful conversations with our children. And so, I'm thankful uh, that that your book is coming out. And one of the things that I've always appreciated, by the way, about you is that you... (laughs) You're always just very honest, and it was funny because I, as you know, I, I called you the other day uh, to talk about your book because we wanted to wanted to promote it with all these schools not in session. We have some some people that do a podcast called Reese and Rachel, and they're going to be using a portion of your book to talk with kids during this time about their faith and about uh, how we trust God during scary times. But it's funny when I uh, called you because you said, <laughs> quick call, I'm hiding in my hiding in my bedroom. You said, uh, <laughs> you know, hiding from my kids right now, trying to get some work done. Absolutely. None of us are immune. <laughs> None of us are immune to the challenges of what's going on right now. It's, you know, it, it's hard for every parent. And I don't know if someone needs to hear that in particular right now, but it's kind of funny because especially if you're on social media, Facebook, that kind of thing, people are responding to this in such different kinds of ways. And you see some people who they're just posting all kinds of funny stuff and they're laughing about the weird things they're doing at home and all this. And it seems like everything's just great. Like, you know, they're just waiting for more things to do. And then other people, you know, all they post is the, the, the worst of the worst. And so sometimes you can get into this thing of feeling like, well, you know, what should my life be looking like right now? And I can absolutely say that, yes, when we talked the other day, I had snuck up to my room just to lock the door <laughs> and have a minute of time. <laughs> I'm, I'm not used to, you know, having none of that personal time and I'm a total introvert. And so, you know, normally I have several hours a day where my kids are at school and that's kind of like my time of productivity and, and what I'm working on. And, you know, it's, it's a big adjustment to have that happen really suddenly. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's absolutely normal and, you know, it's interesting because actually not to go too much on a tangent, but I did a survey this week. My background's in market research, strangely enough, before I ever got into ministry. And so I decided to do a survey because I wanted to see how other parents were feeling. So first and foremost, this is kind of a personal thing to me, but I thought it would be interesting to do. So I did a formal survey and I put it out on social media and I got responses from almost 400 parents. And so I used my statistical background to actually dig into the responses and see what was creating the different feelings of fear, stress, and boredom for Christian parents. It was super interesting in the results because what I found is that there's one group specifically that is indicating that very little has changed in terms of their fear, their stress, and their boredom, and those are the families that were already homeschooling. And even in those families, when they uh, had some kind of work change, a parent maybe was working outside the home and is now inside the home, whatever the case may be, 
that any kind of additional stress people are feeling is specifically related to the change in their kids' schooling situation. And I just thought that was really interesting. It had nothing to do with the ages of their kids or anything else or their work changes. It was specifically about, hey, we have kids newly at home and we're trying to figure out what to do. So I think that that, I, and when I look at my own social media and I see the kinds of uh, posts that different people are posting, it totally makes sense that the homeschoolers are like, yeah, we've, we've pretty much got this on lock. And the people who are newly having their kids at home, there's this big shift for them. And that's where that stress is coming from. So anyway, not to go too far on the side there, but I just thought that was really interesting. No, we can definitely appreciate that. My wife and I are in that boat trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do with our kids and how are we going to manage during this time? But one of the things that, that I've appreciated about your approach has always been a very realistic approach of, okay, how do we have these important conversations with our kids? Now, you've written a couple books. Your most recent is this one, Talking With Your Kids About Jesus. And one of the things that you, that you do as you start off this book is you talk about something called low-grade tidying. And I think parents would, would appreciate if you could just talk about this, because this is a, an aspect of what I mean by just very practical approach to, okay, how do we tackle something that can seem really overwhelming and difficult, like having these important conversations with your kids, in, in this case, talking about Jesus? Yeah, and I, I find this analogy really helpful, so I'm hoping that it will be helpful to other parents as well. But uh, it, it all came about because, again, I was on Facebook one day. I spent, maybe I didn't spend too much time on Facebook. That's what this conversation is helping me see. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was on Facebook one day, and this article uh, came through my feed that it was being promoted, and it was five things that tidy people don't do. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is something I have to read because this has always been a battle for me is keeping the house picked up and clean. I mean, we always, there are homework papers scattered on the floor. We've got pencils everywhere. We've got stacks of mail. And I feel like no matter what I do, I can't keep my house as picked up as the uh, my friends. When I go to their houses, I'm like, did you just spend all the time cleaning up because I'm coming over? How do you do this, right? I saw this article. I clicked over um, hoping for some tips. And it was really actually enlightening because one of the tips said that one thing that tidy people don't do is act like a slob all day and then try to clean everything up in one fell swoop at the end. They develop these tiny, non-drastic habits so that they're consistently in a state of what they called low-grade tidying all the time. And I thought, wow, this is such a good analogy, not just for helping us keep our houses clean, but also for having faith conversations. The idea is not that you pick up a book like mine or any other book and set aside you know, dozens of hours or something to sit down with your kids and say, okay, we're going to have this giant family retreat and we're going to tell you everything that you've ever needed to know about your faith. It's not like that. It's not a one fell swoop type of cleaning. It's more of a low grade, a long term low grade tidying of our kids' understanding of Jesus. And that requires us, first of all, to have that understanding, to get equipped with all this knowledge so that we can see the opportunities in our day-to-day lives where we can start to bring these kinds of conversations up and that we can proactively bring them to our kids' attention on an ongoing basis. And so I just really love the analogy because I think that it takes it from being this overwhelming thing where, okay, we've got to sit down and do all of this in one fell swoop, and it transforms us into thinking about this as a long-term discipleship kind of project, if you want to call it that. Which I can completely relate to for 
uh, our family, I have uh, two boys, and we tend to have our time of discussion where we'll read through the Bible, talk together after dinner. So we have our dinner together and then we'll have a conversation. It's nothing huge. It, it could be a five-minute conversation, could be 30-minute conversation, but it's just a little bit of time that's set aside where we continue to have these important conversations. Now, that's not to say, and, I, and I'm sure you can relate with this, that there's those times when your kid just asks you an important question with something that's maybe going on at school or the news. And so, those then can be opportunities to, to engage with your children. And then sometimes you got to get creative when things like a pandemic happen. And I know more recently, my wife has been, instead of after dinner, reading with the kids or talking with them, she's been doing this in the morning. So, it's one of those moments where I think as parents where we have to be creative, especially in this time. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to come up with this resource with Reese and Rachel, where they're going to be talking about Jesus leading up to Easter. They're 25-minute conversations that parents can access if they're interested at ApologeticsCanada.com or on Apologetics Canada's uh, YouTube channel, in which we're going to be talking through aspects of your book. And I want to continue to delve in, into your book here, but maybe I should just pause there and just say, is that the way you you know have these conversations with your kids? Or how does it look in your family? What does it look like to do low-grade tidying in your family? Right. Well, I like to say that it's about both creating moments and using moments. And so what I mean by that is that when you get equipped with the understanding of the kinds of things that kids need to hear about, given the challenges in today's world, you start to see all these little moments that come up when you're watching a movie and you see, hey, (laughs) this is something that's really from a different type of worldview. This is a very secular worldview. And then you can identify, okay, this is something we need to talk about after the movie. Or, you know, maybe we see something, not right now, we're not leaving the house, but in normal life, we might see a t-shirt in Target. And that might be an opportunity to talk about the message of the t-shirt. But it's like, hey, should we really be following our heart? Is that a Christian view or is that more of a secular view? So you start to see these opportunities all over the place. You know, things that your kids are experiencing firsthand, and then you identify this is something that we can talk about. So those are the using the moments. But then we also need to be creating moments because there's a lot our kids need to learn about and understand that they don't necessarily always run into a situation that naturally facilitates that conversation. So, for example, in one of my books, I talk about the question of uh, biblical slavery. You know, does the Bible support slavery, for example? Well, maybe you don't happen to come across a teachable moment for that one. But that doesn't mean that kids aren't going to encounter that challenge to their faith at some point. So, to some degree, we also have to create these moments and be proactive in learning what these questions are ourselves, and then taking the time to bring them up and say, hey, what would you say if someone said to you that the Bible supports slavery? What would you even say to that? And that brings the conversation up. So it's not just identifying those uh, you know, opportunities that we see in everyday life. It's also about creating the moments for them. So in, in our home, I try to do a balance of those two things, and, and I'm always kind of looking for, for both of those opportunities. Before we continue, a message from Andy. Hi, listeners. This is Andy Steiger. I just wanted to remind you that I have a new children's book out that I co-authored with Rachel McKenzie called What Am I Worth? You can pick it up at Amazon or ApologeticsCanada.com. As well, I have a new book coming out in September with Zondervan. The title is Reclaimed, How Jesus Humanizes in a Dehumanized World. As you know, we are living in a challenging time, but I believe with great opportunities for sharing the gospel. This book uniquely uses our humanity to discuss the gospel and what a life of flourishing in Christ looks like 
that I believe is desperately needed in our world. If you would like to learn more about this resource and help us get the word out, please consider becoming a part of our book launch team and help us get this resource into people's hands. Those that participate will get an early edition of the book and have the opportunity to learn and interact with me on its content. If you would like to participate, let us know by emailing info at apologeticscanada.com. And now, back to the podcast. Uh, speaking of those opportunities, I think now is a great opportunity to be talking about Jesus. As I've seen every year, it seems that as Easter approaches, there's some article that's written in a magazine or, you know, that starts making its way on social media or whatever that casts doubt on the historical Jesus or casts doubt on the resurrection. And your book is, is one of those opportunities to be able to discuss those challenges. And one of the things that I really appreciate about your book, you know, Parents, is that this book really concisely hits the key ideas that you need to know and that you need to talk about. And on, on that note, though, Natasha, I wanted to ask you, who is your book written for? Because I know this might be confusing for some people. So, it, like, how do you see your book being used by a parent? Do you see it, it being something that a parent reads to their kid? Or do you see it as something that the parent reads and then talks about with their child? Like, how, how would you see that working out? Yeah, so it's written directly to parents, though, to equip the parents. Sometimes people have a misunderstanding and think this is a book they're going to give directly to their kid, but that's not how it's intended. It's intended to equip parents with the understanding that they need. So there are 30 chapters in the book, and each one represents a different conversation about Jesus. And it's designed to help the parent in a brief format, so a clear, concise format of about five pages each, to help them understand, number one, what are the big challenges today? So for a lot of parents, even looking at the table of contents, that is something that um, hopefully will help them to kind of see, okay, these are the types of things that we're talking about that we need to discuss with our kids today, but then to understand the subject. And then at the end of every chapter is a conversation guide. And that is to help you to get the knowledge that you just gained from your five pages of a chapter out of your head and into conversation with your kids. Because I know that even when we understand something, sometimes we get a little tongue-tied and we're like, okay, I understand this about the resurrection, but how do I even start to engage with my kids on this? So the conversation guide gets progressively um, more challenging, so it kind of walks you through step-by-step what to talk about, starting with open the conversation type of question, which is just a really easy question that gets kids to talk about something related to that chapter's content. And then you can keep going from there, depending on the age of your kids, all the way down to what I call the apply the conversation question, which is an actual quote from a skeptic that I found online or in a book that challenges what they learned in that chapter. And it gives them the opportunity to practice their reply to it. So in terms of how a parent would use this, number one, they read it themselves because it's designed for you as a parent first and foremost. But number two, depending on your kid's age, that conversation guide in every chapter will walk you through, okay, here are questions to ask to help you have the conversation with them. And it's really, you know, going back to the low-grade tidying, it's not designed to be something necessarily where you sit down and on one fell swoop have the whole conversation. It's something you can continue to revisit over time so that maybe you start with just a couple couple of questions where you're talking about, uh, you know, the resurrection, and then when they get a little bit older, maybe you revisit it, you add to their understanding. So it's supposed to be a resource that you can keep coming back to as your kids grow. And that said, I, I will say that a lot of parents say they do sit down with their older kids.
kids and just read through it together and they find that easier than actually doing kind of a methodical conversation. But I think parents with younger kids um, tend to use the conversation guides more. Well, to put this uh, just into perspective, the book is broken up into five parts. The identity of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the difference Jesus makes. Which, I, by the way, I love. I love how you've broken it up, and just the flow of that for a parent to be able to walk through these ideas with their kids. And one of the things I think so important about what you're talking about, you know, writing this content for parents to equip them to have a conversation, is my time in the area of apologetics has really taught me that when you know what you believe and if you've been properly equipped, then you're not afraid to have important conversations like this, and nor are you defensive when you have those conversations and you're willing to just listen to maybe what your child has read or what they've thought without getting defensive. And so, you can actually have, I find, a more fruitful conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that your kids will sense if you are creating a home environment where truth has nothing to fear. So we're not afraid of questions. We're so convicted of the truth of Christianity as a family that we will take and discuss and and enjoy having all of these questions. And I think that just says so much to our kids so that they're not afraid to question. And you, and it, like you said, it, it really shows them, hey, there's no need for defensiveness here because if Christianity is true, then that's where the evidence is going to lead. And I told my kids, I remember I have twins, and I remember when they were six, I remember telling them, hey, I never want you to believe in Jesus just because I do. I never want you to get to be a young adult and say, well, I'm a Christian because my parents I never want that. And I explained to them that God has given us lots and lots of evidence that Christianity is true. And my job as their parent over time is to show them, how do you investigate truth? And how do you look at the evidence? What is that evidence? And that over time, they'll learn more and more about that. And so I, even from that young age, I wanted to kind of help them think about it from that perspective that they're going to be on this search for truth, that truth does exist, and that God has given us much evidence for the truth of Christianity. Now, this raises an important question that I've heard parents talk to me about, and I've had to think through myself with regards to, is apologetics too much for kids? Is, are we asking too much of them when we delve into these questions, like one of the questions that you write is, did Jesus really perform miracles? Or... How can Jesus be both God and human is another one of your chapters. Is that too much for a child? Well, obviously, I don't think that because I I wrote this book hoping that parents will have these conversations. But I know that a lot of parents feel this way because, like you're saying, they do sound like big topics. And quite honestly, a lot of parents themselves don't really understand some of the questions or some of the answers. And so we kind of think, well, I'm a Christian and I have a deep faith in the Lord. So if I didn't need these, then why, you know, why would my kids need to understand this stuff? So I always tell parents that it's important to understand our kids are growing up in a completely different world than the one in which most of us grew up. It looks totally different today. So whereas when we were kids, most of us, if we grew up in a Christian family, we we're kind of carried along by, you know, people around us in, in our culture that at least had, you know, kind of the same values. And so it was easy to kind of ignore any differences. Whereas today, all of the latest research shows that Christians are now in a worldview minority. So biblically committed Christians who are committed to a biblical worldview, as the researchers have defined it, are a minority. And that's going to vastly change how we have to parent. And so for a lot of parents, they kind of 
you know, jump back from that and they say, well, we're just going to have more faith, thinking that faith means we're just going to have more blind trust. But what our kids really need is to not just understand Christianity, but why there's good reason to believe it's true. Because of those significant challenges today, this question becomes so incredibly important. And we might look at it then and say, okay, well, it's important, but it's too much for kids. But the reality is that it's not. And I think that if you look at the conversation guides in my book, you'll see that the questions that I use to bring up these uh, conversation points from the chapters are completely accessible by even kindergarten age kids. And I've had those conversations with my kids as well, even from that young age. So I think it's important for parents to realize that just because maybe it sounds complex to us, if we haven't really studied this before, maybe we didn't need it ourselves to our own faith, or we grew up and we felt like we were fine, it doesn't mean that our kids don't need it. And as 1 Peter 3.15 says, we should be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within us. This is not some kind of newfangled idea today. This is something that went back even to the years right after Jesus's death and resurrection. So it's biblical, it's critical in today's world, and it's absolutely possible. Yeah, this is something that um, I as well have, have been talking with parents that, you know, even for me as a parent, I'm always amazed at the kind of questions that my children come home with questions that that they've either seen, as you've already mentioned, maybe it be in a movie or TV show, but questions oftentimes that they have received from their friends, friends who perhaps are of a different faith or friends who have had different cultural ideas, you know, that they ask about. And so, I have found that it has been so important, A, to engage with the conversations that my child is currently experiencing, but B, we really want to equip our kids as well for questions that they will experience. One of the things that I have seen in the research that has come out on faith in children who keep their faith is that parents who had a consistent conversation with their child about these, you know, these faith questions, those children were in a far greater place as they went off to college to deal with the different challenges that came because they were already used to that. And it develops this habit, the research was showing, where a child sees, okay, I have a question and I see that there is an answer and that there's good answers. And it builds this pattern so that when they get into a place where you're no longer a part of those conversations, they've already seen that pattern and you've helped them to begin to see where they can go to get answers. And it puts your child in a much greater place to be able to deal with a culture that's quite hostile towards Christianity. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I, I know the research that you're referring to, and it's kind of shocking because when you look at, okay, this is what is important. And there were two, at least the research I'm thinking of, there were two major factors in why kids had stayed in the faith that they had identified through this research. And one was the conversations, and two was the amount of time spent studying the Bible together as a family. But what's scary is that when you look at the actual data on what Christian families are doing, fewer than one in 10 Christian families are reading the Bible together or praying together in a given week. Yet this is what is making so much of a difference in terms of who stays in with their faith later. So we're, by and large, not doing a great job of having those conversations and doing our Bible study as Christian parents. And I think um, some of the data also showed that right now that the average parent and child direct interaction in terms of one-on-one conversation in a given day is less than 15 minutes. But in the families where the kids continue to stay in the faith, 
they reported about an hour and a half of that kind of conversation in a given day. So it's really, there's a remarkable difference there between families that they studied, and, and it does. It does make all the difference in the world. It was interesting. I, a couple months ago, did uh, back when we could actually hang out with other people. Yes, way back then. <laughs> <laughs> way back then. That that actually happened in the past. Um, I did an interview with Lee Strobel. He and I were talking uh, about you know, future challenges to the faith. And this is one of the things that, that he brought up was that, you know, this need as different challenges are going to be presented, you know, in the next decade for parents to be able to have these conversations. And, and in fact, he brought up your work and brought up this newest book that you've written. He is a big fan of yours. In fact, he wrote the forward to your book. And I, I think it's interesting just as, as he was talking about the research that he's seen, uh, again, just reiterating that this is such an, an important topic, it's such an important habit to get into. Again, kind of going back to this low-grade tidying as we walk with our kids through these challenging questions in challenging times. On that note, I want to thank you, Natasha, for, for being on the AC podcast, but I, I want to let our, our listeners know, A, how can they get a hold of this book? Particularly, I, I'm not sure if things are shipping, but maybe they are. I, I don't know. Maybe you can help us know that. And then also, where could people go to get more information about you and about the work that you've done, the books that you have in, in your blog? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Andy. It's been great having this conversation with you. Um, in terms of the book, it's, you know, anywhere that books are normally sold should have it. You might have a shipping delay right now. It just depends on the place. You know, I know that Amazon is saying that they are behind, but then I've heard that some people have already received books. So uh, you can you can find it wherever books are normally sold. But like you said, there might be a delay. It's also available in a Kindle format, though, so you can get it electronically immediately. You won't run into those kind of issues. Uh, but also support other retailers other than Amazon who have books in stock. So you can go, to, for example, to christianbook.com, and uh, and they have the book there. And I actually think they have the, the best price on it. I'm not sure how that works with shipping um, for Canada. But just throwing it out there that wherever you normally get books, you can find it there. And uh, my website, you can go to my name, Natasha Crane, C-R-A-I-N.com. And I have more information there about how my books compare because sometimes people ask, well, what's the difference between the three books? And so I, I explain all that and, and uh, give you table of contents for all of them so you can see what you can get from them. That's great. And again, just want to remind listeners with kids. Uh, that are not in school right now or needing things to do, Reese and Rachel are going to be having some of these conversations this next two weeks leading up to Easter. So you can tune into that through apologeticscanada.com. And then you can follow up and go deeper and hit all 30 of these conversations with this book, Talking With Your Kids About Jesus. Thank you for listening to the AC Podcast. We will see you next week with more things to think about.